0: Uh, We're continuing with our sermon series entitled, Edit. And I said that an edit is something that you know you can cut out or you can edit in. You can edit something in, you can edit something out. If you don't like something, you can take it out and you put something new in. And I'm showing you in the scripture how that you can edit your life. You don't like something about your life? God designed by the way of the Holy Spirit where you can edit your life. Every single one of you that are believers that have a relationship with God, you gave your life to Jesus, the Bible says in that very moment, it was a miracle, but in that moment, the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, old school Pentecostal, what are my old school Pentecostal people? The Holy Ghost. Y'all know the Holy Ghost. Or you can go further, Holy Ghost, praise God. And so he lives inside of us. So when God couldn't find anything more pure, anything more holy, anything more righteous to come and fill in the earth, he found you and he found me. So the next time the devil whispers in your ear to make you feel like a loser, a bum, a jerk, uh, condemn you because you know you sinned yesterday, you sinned just five minutes ago, whatever the case might be, remind yourself it doesn't mean that God leaves me. Matter of fact, he said he'll never leave me nor forsake me and know you not that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So he made a decision to live in you, praise God. Not in this building. If we leave, he leaves. I said if we leave, he leaves. He's not in the brick and mortar. He lives inside of you and he lives inside of me. Somebody say amen. So I take the edit machine with me wherever I go. I've got the Holy Ghost and because I got him and what he has a desire in line for my life, therefore I can edit things out that I don't need anymore by the way of his power and his grace and I can edit things into my life that I need very much in my life. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's look together at Romans chapter 4 verse 17. And it says as it is written, He said I have made you a father speaking of Abraham, I made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed god god who gives life to the dead watch this and calls those things which which do not exist as though they did god has the ability to give life to the dead that when people die that's it it's the end of the road on this earth but god does the supernatural god is not constrained to the natural laws he's supernatural he gives life to the dead Also, he's not constrained in this way. He can call those things that do not exist as though they did. In other words, God calls those things. God has the ability to call out. God has the ability to name it. God has the ability to speak as if something already exists, even though you can't see it with your natural eyes. How many have a dream or a purpose or desire in your heart that you want to live out for the God? If you feel something in you, listen, bottom line is all of you have it. You may not recognize it, but the bottom line is you couldn't even be on the people this people planet without a purpose from the almighty God. You couldn't be here because he told Jeremiah, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I ordained you and called you to be a prophet to the nations. In other words, I already purposed a plan for you to live out in the earth. And that's the reason why you're here. So every single one of you have a purpose. My desire for you is that you find and fulfill the very purpose of God on your life. God doesn't see you in light of just who you are today. God sees in the eternal. I'm going to try to teach this and not preach it, but I get kind of excited about it. And he sees in the eternal, which means he doesn't see necessarily the past as much as he does the future. He sees more than that. He sees the present and the now and how it relates to the past and the future. Because God is Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. Come on, y'all. And God doesn't start until he's finished. So he knows the end from the beginning in your life. He's already predestined it. He knew you before the foundations of the world. He predestined you, which means he gave you predestiny. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't qualify for it. You can't work for it. It is who you are. It's the DNA that makes up you. And God wants you to know who you are so you can fulfill the destiny he has for you. So he calls those things that be not as though they were. God speaks as if it's alive now. So when he talked to he talked to uh, uh, jo- uh, to uh, Jacob he said to Joshua he said look I know he said Abraham he said the father Abraham Isaac and Jacob he talked to him as if they were already alive because the truth was they were alive not on earth any longer but they were alive in his presence he sees the eternal so God already knows everything you have need of now I'm getting ahead of myself but that's the truth God uses words everybody say words. And words are spiritual things that are not seen. I'm speaking right now. You are not seeing the words out of my mouth. You're hearing the words out of my mouth. But they're spiritual. The Bible says your word is spirit. So when we say words, it's a spiritual phenomena or a spiritual Force, and it creates physical things that are not seen. So words that are, are not seen, rather, create physical things which are seen, things that were never existed before because of what you say. Now, I'm going to say this, and I kind of spoke a little bit on a Thursday night, and I'm not going there, but I just want to say this. When was the last time you reminisced about your future? When, let me put it this way. I'll put it a little bit deeper. When was the last time you remembered your tomorrow? I know it's a little bit deep, but I've got fond memories of tomorrow. In other words, I have got before God and I've got a glimpse of my future. It's like a snapshot in time. I know where I'm heading. I don't know all the details yet, but the closer I get to the picture, the more the detail I can make out of the picture. But I got my picture, I got a vision. I have a dream from God. I have a destiny in God. I know that. Because I know that, I'm moving toward that thing, praise God. And it's coming to focus more and more every single day. I'm trying not to preach this thing. And so now then, because I got the snapshot of the future, I have a vision. I want to reminisce about my future. Too many times we got people reminiscing about the past, talking about the good old days. How many knows those days weren't as good when you were living them? But now you passed them. Oh, them are the good old. They weren't any better than they are today. But we, got, we can't do nothing about the past, honey, but we can change the future. And when you know your future, you begin to reminisce about the future. Remember the tomorrow. Remember what God promised you. Amen. Learn to be like God, who gave, he gave future by speaking it. He gave a voice To the future. And the same is true for you and I. And today, I won't talk about giving voice to your future because that's how you edit your tomorrow. That's how you edit your now. And and we said that your future is more dependent on what you have to say about it than what anybody else has to say about it. And one of the things you got to get delivered from is what other people think about you. And people, the people talk about you behind your back. You find out, and it messes you up, and it messes with your mind. You get hurt and offended, and, and you feel insecure. Nonsense. Who cares what they said? What has God said about you? What has the Almighty said about you? That's what I'm going to connect with because I found out people are, are, are fickle. They're with you one day and they leave you the next day. And the same person that pat you on the back got a knife to stab you in the back. And I'm not trying to walk in paranoia. I'm just telling you that's life. Things happen. But so my, my, my confidence doesn't come from them. My confidence comes from heaven. I know what he's called me to do. People are going to talk. And even when you were younger and people you trusted said things to you that were unrighteous, that were not of God. They were demeaning and put you down and made you feel low. Maybe a parent or, or an auntie or uncle or, or grandmother, or grandfather, somebody you trusted at school. And they said ugly things about you. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're dumb. You're never going to amount to nothing. You don't, can't do that. I mean, who do you think you are? You'll probably end up in jail. They said all kinds of crazy stuff about you. And the problem is we heard the old, the old rhyme in the, in, the, in the playground where they say, Hey, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. That's a lie. That's a lie. My sticks and stones, I'll mend. But words have the penetrating power to go up in my spirit. And if I receive them, they'll create an image inside of me. So now I've got a word image. I'm stupid, I'm ugly, and I'm dumb. And every time I try to achieve something, i got to hear those words. You're stupid, you're ugly, and you're dumb. Because at some point, I received words from people I trusted. (sighs) And now what i got to do is i got to learn to edit my life and say I'm not going to live by those words. That's not who I am. I don't care what they think about it. God said I'm the apple of his eye. God said I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So I'm going to take that out, Holy Ghost, editing machine, and I'll put that inside. I'm victorious in Christ whatever I touch wins and is victorious. Come on. So that's how you got to live your life. So now then, those words create a brand new image in my life to get me closer to the, des- the, the, the dream and the destiny that God has designed for my life. So again, your future cannot be determined by anybody else but you. And it's called the law of confession. Don't, don't run out of me. Don't think I'm talking no Eastern mysticism garbage because I am not. This is your Bible. This is what God put in the earth for you and me. And the law of confession is not as much just speaking and speaking and speaking to affirm things, which is good, but it's not all. I'm talking about a prayer life. I'm talking about you getting before the throne of God and speaking. Because the word confession is the word homologio in the Greek. It means to speak the same as God. So whatever you find God's word says, he's looking you to confess his word. And when you speak his word in a place of intimacy with the Almighty and you say, in the name of Jesus, by your stripes, I'm healed. In the name of Jesus, this devil's got to get up out of my house and leave my kids. I will not go crazy. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? That's the law of confession. That's when you speak God's word in the name of Jesus and it comes to pass. And when you give your future a voice because your future is crying out for somebody that will speak on its behalf. You know you can talk on the behalf of other people but what about the desire of God? What about your future? Your future needs your voice. And when you speak the voice of God into your future you are dialing in to your greatest potential. It's like the secret code. There's something synergetic that happens with your confession when it's appropriately placed within uh, knowing or having, in other words, something called the law of agreement. When confession meets agreement, the law of confession meets the law of agreement, there's power that goes forth. And we see it right here in the Bible. Jesus says in Matthew 18 and verse 19, again, I say to you that if two, how many? If two of you what? agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. All right? If two, what? Agree what they ask, what they speak, it will be done. I can preach all day on that. But what I want you to see is, God don't want us to confess out here by ourselves. God don't want us to be a bunch of lone rangers doing our own thing. God wants us to come together. The many-membered body of Christ coming together called the church. We need the church in the 21st century. We need the church. Not talking about some, just stuff that's online. That's helpful. But that's not God's best. And that's not God's bless. God wants his people to come together. So there can be one Agreement in the earth. And whatever they agree upon and ask or speak, it will be done. That's why you don't forsake yourself. Even in the middle of summer, you don't forsake to assemble yourselves together. You go on your vacation and you get your blessing assurance back home. Hallelujah. And you get in the house of God so you can build up your faith. Amen. You won't find me cussing in the pulpit. Hallelujah. Amen. He's not talking about just two people gathering together. That's a part of it. He's talking about two people agreeing. And one of the toughest things for Christians to do or people on the planet period to do is to agree. We may not agree on everything, but we can agree on the Bible. We can agree about Jesus, him crucified, him raised from the dead. We can find agreement. So if I'm the devil, the first thing I'm going to do, I'm going to keep you out of the house of God, and I'm going to keep you out of agreement with one another, talking behind each other's backs. I'm preaching real, real good now. So why? So there's no power in your words. Because when you don't have agreement, you don't have the power. But there's much that people of God, i got to say this, there's a lot of the people God asks for that God doesn't agree with. And that's when we got to mature. So we can't just have everything we ask. I mean, here's the problem. You actually can. You actually can. But that's the danger because not everything you ask is what God wants for your life. People are so afraid that if, 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 if I don't get what I want, God will make me do something I don't want to do. I know there's single men in here and single women in here. You're afraid to death to ask God for the right mate in your life because you're afraid he's going to give you somebody ugly and needed a repair. Hallelujah. I'll put it that way. Do you know that God will give you the desire of your heart? He ain't going to give you something you don't want. But you got to learn to trust him to everything, especially with a mate. Somebody say amen. Amen. They're with you forever. Amen. And I know they want to throw people away and have divorce, but that's not God's best for your life. I'm trying to keep the church out of so much heartache and brokenness. Yes, there are things we ask for, we agree with, but God hasn't agreed with. What does God say? What is God's purpose? What is God's will for your life? When's the last time you said, Lord, what's your will for me? What do you want me to do? I got plans, but what's your plan? What is it you desire? I know you're better than me. You plan better than me. You're the greatest strategist ever, and you made me perfectly, and therefore I got to trust you that whatever you say is perfect. I fit in that plan perfectly. Genesis 11 kind of bears this out in verse number 1. And it says, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Wow. They were unified. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had, they had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came. See, they had a plan for their life. They had a desire for their life. They had a want. It's what they wanted to do, and it was big aspiration. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Built. and the Bible says when he came down and he saw what they were capable of he saw the technology that they had he said I have to I have to now uh, I have to now uh, scatter their languages so they cannot what come into the power of agreement their confession and agreement can't line up therefore they can't do what they want and God did that on purpose because God promised through his prophet that in the last days or' say the last days in the last days that the wisdom of men would increase, which means technology would increase. And we just saw that in the last little over a hundred years. Can you just uh, two generations ago, we were in horse and buggies, y'all. Some of you forget all this stuff. You on your phone right there, that computer that has that more power in that phone than it had to get them uh, 50 years ago to put a man on the moon. And you got it in your hand every single day. And just a hundred years ago, there wasn't, for most people they didn't have indoor plumbing technology has increased. So God said, this is not the time for that. And he said, the only way I could disrupt it is by messing with the power of agreement. And I'm going to say this to some folks here today. There are things you thought the devil robbed from you. There are things that you thought, oh, God, the devil's involved, and I was trying to get this, and it didn't happen. Quite, I'm going to be honest with you and be frank with you, it may have been the spirit of God that said, I've got to bring a disruption here because you're going to get what you want, and what you want is not what I want, and what you want may kill you and destroy you. I'm losing my enthusiasm. Hallelujah. Are you all following me so far? And so we got to make sure we do it God's way, and his way is better than ours. That's the good news. It's better than ours. So you, let me just put two major things, and I see my time. There are two major things that the people of Babel had going for them, even though they, their, their intent was not of God. Number one, they had the law of confession, and number two, they had the law of agreement. And the, a law in the Webster Dictionary means this. It's something that's been laid, set, or fixed and cannot be moved. It's a foundation, laid, fixed, it cannot be moved. It's been set. It's a principle based on predictable consequences of an act. So, like you have the law of gravity, it don't care what color skin you are, how much money you got in the bank account. Doesn't care you live in Milwaukee or California. It has no bearing. If you jump off the stage, you hit the floor because it's the law of gravity. There's the law of aerodynamics. That plane across the street over there, tons and tons of weight gets off the ground. How does it do that? Because it interacts with the laws of aerodynamics. The law of lift and thrust. If you have those two things working together, it can lift anything in the air because of the aerodynamic. Same thing it is with the law of confession and the law of agreement. It doesn't matter where you come from. God set it in motion. It works for everybody all the time. I'm not talking about the universe and this esoteric garbage and all this Eastern mysticism. They got that from the word of God. I'm talking about you live in two worlds all the time, the natural world and the spiritual world. And the Spirit of God lives inside of you. That's all the esoteric you need. He lives on the inside of you. So when you speak, there's power behind what you are saying. And it interacts with everything around you in your life until it begins to edit the things you need and edit the things out that you don't need. It's a predictable thing. So Jesus said, I'm almost done. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever. Everybody say "Whoever." whoever. Who is Whoever. Whoever. Says to this mountain, speaks to a mountain, speaks to a thing without ears. Be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Jesus made it clear that you can speak the things and they got to obey you. Jesus made it clear, are y'all Ready? Why do the successful succeed? And a lot of successful, I'm sorry to say, are not church people. Because they understand a principle. They get it, and that's why Jesus said, whoever operates the principle and doesn't doubt in their heart but believes the things they say will come to pass, they'll have whatsoever they say. And why did God make it so that anybody could access that kind of power? Oh, it's so simple. It was because of his love for people. Why his love? Because the Bible tells us, Romans chapter 10, 10, I think it is. Put up on the screen, guys. It says, for with the heart, one believes in the righteousness. But with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You can't get saved unless you speak the Lord Jesus Christ and say who he is. So... The, Confession has to work for everybody. I can edit my life. I was going to hell, but the fact that I believe in who Jesus is... And I speak with my mouth. and They're not just words that come out of my mouth. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. And for every idle word, men will speak. They will give an account on the day of judgment. Don't tell me words aren't powerful. Words can change your life, your direction. I was going to hell, but now I'm saved. I'm going through the gates. I'm on my way to heaven. Thank God it's whoever says. So it works for everybody. It's time the church understands that salvation wasn't a one-time deal. Yes, your eternal salvation was. You got born again. Man, thank God. You're on the way to heaven. But you know we need salvation every day. Salvation means the word soteria. It means from destruction. And there's things in my life in my life, that are leading me in destruction. I need help. My body, my circumstances, my money, my relationships. They're headed for destruction. I need salvation. I have to believe with my heart. And then I make way with my mouth. And when I speak and I confess, what happens? It brings salvation on the scene. The church has been Johnny-come lately. The world's got their act together. Where's the church? Why did God... Establish it so that every man could know who his son truly was. Mm, Hallelujah. I'm going to end with this. The same is true over your circumstances. And the proof of your salvation is in your mouth. When David was to take out Goliath, and you know the story, Goliath was hurling all kinds of accusations against the people of God. And David ran in that valley with that one smooth stone, and he came at him with no fear. He had faith in his heart. Faith is what charges the atmosphere for miracles. But we still need the action of speaking and the power of agreement. Saul said, Yes. That agreed with him. He went into the valley. He had faith to take him down. And before he allowed that rock to be slung out of that sling, he said these words, and they're recorded. And he says, this day... The Lord has put you into my hands. He's speaking to him. This day, the Lord has put you in my hands. He said, "I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to take off your head, and I'm going to feed your bodies to the fowl of your bodies to the fowl there, and all them people up on that ridge over there called the Philistine. They're going to come and bow their knee to Israel. You uncircumcised Philistine, who do you think you are? The bigger they are, the harder they're going to fall. And he let that thing go, and that rock. That rock was like a heat-seeking missile on the word of God that was spoken and it couldn't miss the most vulnerable spot and knock that giant down. What giant do you have in your life that needs to come on down? Speak the word of God in faith. Genesis 11, and I'm really done after I read Genesis 11. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are in one agreement, or one, rather, are one, which means agreement. They all have one language, which means their confession is the same. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing. but say nothing. No thing that they propose, that word means to purpose. Nothing they propose or purpose to do will be withheld from them. Come, speaking to the angels, let us go down. And they're confused the language that they may not understand one another's speech. God caused their speech to be confused because they were gaining technology that wasn't for them and it wasn't for their time. And God spread them over all the earth in that one moment in time. It's called Babel. It's where many languages. God changed the language. Why? Because He knew there's power in their agreement and their language in one. And it wasn't His will. And they would get it even though they weren't to have it. That's the power of what I'm talking about. Think about it. Think about this. The potential that we, this church, could have if we would come together and agree on the vision that God has given us for this city and start giving voice to its future and then walking by faith to see it done with things like serve your city. That's just to mention one because it's coming up, but other things that we do and we all support it, all doing our part and our share, knowing that we're not the same, but coming together as one body. Amen. And seeing what God would do. I'm telling you there would be no stoppage to what God would do through our lives and the people that would be saved and healed and delivered as a result. But we must come together. This idea that we're all going all these different directions everybody wants to do stuff, that's not God's best. You might get a little ways but you can't go as far as you need to go. I need you. You need me. God set it up for us to do all together. And if we we'll do it, we'll see God do tremendous and powerful things. So, so, I don't like my city. I, 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 wanna go, I, wanna, I hate this city. I want to go somewhere else. I, you know what I want to say to you? Pack your bags and go. Why are you vacillating? Get out of here. In other words, quick complaint. If God puts you somewhere, it ought to be the best. You ought to think this is the best place. I mean, I, by the way, let me just, I want to go to Sacramento because it's 75 degrees all, year round, and I can lay on the beach and just get fat and drink martinis or whatever. I just want to be in the sun all day. Here's the problem. Watch me. Are y'all ready for this? And then I'm really done. I'm really done. No one will call me a liar after this. Hallelujah. You take you wherever you go. If you're miserable in Milwaukee, you're going to be miserable in Sacramento too. And making everybody else miserable along with you. It ain't about the city, it ain't about where you're at. Everybody's got there's problems and crimes everywhere you go. That's why I'm leaving Milwaukee, It's all the crime. Are you crazy? Crime everywhere. I'm from Rockford, Illinois. Milwaukee's a joke compared to Rockford. Rockford's the dang- most dangerous city in America. It is. It's listed as the most dangerous city in America. That's where I come from. This ain't nothing. Crime in every city. The idea is who's going to stand up and say, enough of the garbage. I see the future. And the future's bright. And I see the Lord Jesus Christ over the city of Milwaukee. And I see revival. And I'm going to give it a voice. Come on.